1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And, all And right, guys, we've rested up from the bye week. Uh, kind of got a chance to uh, kind of fold our fingers behind our head a little bit and uh, and catch our breath. And and now it's a six-game gauntlet from here to the rest of the season. Georgia's got six SEC games In six weeks, they're hoping it'll be seven and eight weeks after the uh, SEC Championship game or or once you include that. And and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what Georgia's got to do to run the table the rest of the way to get back to the SEC Championship game, to put themselves in a play-in game, which, I mean – Almost a sure almost certainly, will be against Alabama—a rematch of what we saw the last time Georgia was out. Uh, and, and and we got some recruiting talk in the second half of the show. Uh, um, Georgia got a commitment from Kamari Lassiter out of Tuscaloosa, American Christian, uh, top cornerback target for the Bulldogs—a big get. And, uh, and and Rusty saw a Georgia commit this past week, and and we're also going to talk about how the rest of the 2020 year. Could be massive for Georgia on the recruiting trail because some decisions are coming up. Um, But, guys, let's go ahead and jump into this real quick. And and before I do, I want to kind of recap some of the stuff that happened in the SEC this past week. Um, Missouri gets an impressive win against Kentucky in Columbia, Missouri, 20-10. to That's Georgia's next opponent, uh, Kentucky – a lot of defense, no offense, right now. Um, that's looking like a really tough match. George is looking like a really tough tough matchup for the Wildcats in terms of being able to score and and do some of those things. Alabama beats the fool out of Tennessee. I think we kind of all saw that coming, but I didn't really uh, in the early going. I mean, Tennessee got away with a little bit of a targeting penalty there, and then obviously you just sick to your stomach for any college football player. But Jalen Waddell gets hurt hurt on the opening kickoff. Um, not sure how that's going to impact Alabama going forward. You, you almost know it's definitely not going to help them. And, uh, um, you know, he's one of the best players in college football. We went round and round talking about him uh, before the Georgia-Alabama game. Uh, but, Rusty, all of that considered, next game, next two games, obviously because Florida's coming up in two weeks, what's got to happen for Georgia to get back – To an Alabama rematch and to have a kind of a play in opportunity, I guess, in Mercedes Benz Stadium come December 19th.
2: They got to do what a lot of teams have got to do. And it's not coach speak, it's coach speak. It's you got to get better. You you know, I think um, we talked about a little bit. It's pretty good having that Alabama game a little bit early. You know where you are, you know what to work on. I think people, you know, saw that game and go, there's, you know, this is the ceiling. It's not the ceiling for Georgia. That wasn't the ceiling for Georgia. Uh, they can get better in a lot of areas. Now, I was pretty frank in the fact that when you had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle for Alabama, I, I just I wasn't sure how Georgia could defend that uh, for an entire game. But this injury, and it's a bad deal for this young man. I hope he um, is able to you know get where he needs to be in the NFL and. You know, if that's the next step he takes, which I I would anticipate that's the next step he takes um, for next year with him, you know, just crazy. Um, You know, to me it was almost a flashback of Nick Chubb. First play of the game, Knoxville, you get hurt. It's just just a bad, bad deal, man, for that kid. But, you know, this football, people get hurt in reality. So you go look at the Georgia-Alabama matchup, which is a little different in my opinion, long way to go now. But if you're Georgia, and we're specifically talking about Georgia, you know, really thought about some things over the weekend and and spoke with some people that I really trust with this. And, you know, the the team is starting to come together a little bit, especially the offensive line. You know, I don't think we really talked enough about that uh, coming off the Alabama game. And, you know, really from the second half on Tennessee, they really played better. I think Warren McClendon's been really, really good at right tackle. You know, he's a little undersized. I think he's played really well there. Uh, the interior guys have played well. I just think you've got to worry about Georgia because Jake Kip. If I'm not, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but Georgia's going to be a favorite in every game the rest of the season, including Florida on their schedule until they get back to Mercedes-Benz if they handle, you know, business to get there. So I think you worry about Georgia. You take this time to play these games week by week. Find find out who you are. Todd Monken's still learning this roster. He didn't get a spring practice, didn't get a summer practice, didn't basically get too much there. So you worry about yourself right here because the old saying, other than one game, and I don't think Georgia's going to face anything like that until they play them again, if they do, is defense travels. And it's going to go to Lexington this weekend, and I fully anticipate them giving Kentucky a hard time. I don't think it's a great matchup at all for Kentucky. I know Kentucky's a lot better on defense. And it kind of gave that game away a little bit. Weird, weird game. I don't know if you saw this or not, Jake. Missouri ran 92 offensive plays. Kentucky ran 36. Missouri had a 20-play drive. They didn't get any points on. That game was crazy deal Uh, looking at it. I think Missouri had the ball 43 minutes to Kentucky's 15, which is – insane for a college football game so you know i don't anticipate georgia having a problem there obviously this florida game is not a give me at all um you know and south carolina's shown they can bite you and they did last year so there's still some games left i think if you're georgia you're worrying about this team and it's not just a quarterback position you worry about some other spots you know is kendall milton going to get in there uh we're going to find ways to get george pickens more touches uh, you know, is Arian Smith going to show up at some point this year because you know he's the guy they may be missing? He's the fastest wide receiver on the team. So, you know, there's gonna be some questions answered here in the next six weeks for Georgia,
1: yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it, I think fans are kind of tired of hearing got to get better, all that stuff after Georgia drops a regular season game. I can understand that, but at the end of the day, folks, it's every every team, I mean most teams have to say that. LSU didn't have to say it last year. and Clemson hasn't had to say it you know, I think in the year before that. And you know there, there's one or two teams every single year that that may not have to say that at most one or two teams. Most teams do have to say that after a loss. And that's just that's just an important fact to note. And I also think there's there's a little bit of angst when you hear that statement for another reason. I'll get to it when it's my turn to talk about this. But, uh, Kip, want to go to you now. Um, what's next for Georgia? What has to happen? Final six games, run the table, play in game, all that stuff.
0: I think the first thing that has to happen for Georgia is they kind of got to figure out if the second half against Alabama was a fluke or not. I think – You know, everyone's just going to look at that game and go, there's no way Georgia, you know, will have any different of an outcome if they play again. But, I mean, I just remember that 2017 game against Auburn where Auburn just routed them. You know, it was like 40-17. And they those two teams met again in the SC Championship game. And, I mean, again, it was 28-7. I mean, Kirby Smart and his staff were given the film. They went back and made adjustments, and made sure they were prepared for the next time those two teams played. And I mean, Georgia should be – they should expect to run the table, and they 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 can. As it stands, this team right now can win every game the rest of the regular season. And I think we are at that point where fans are looking at it and look, looking ahead, knowing that they still have to win all these games, but they're looking at that SC Championship game and, and already marking that as a loss. And, I mean, what I – I I agree with Rusty in that the fact that this game was early, you know, this game against Alabama is good for Georgia because it gives them great film to go and evaluate and look and see what changes might need to be made. And maybe there are changes that don't need to be made. And I think that is what we're going to, you know, the next game, the next two games is going to kind of help them figure out because, again, like I said, that rematch against Auburn, Georgia looked like a completely different team. And it's not like they're able to make roster adjustments between those games. I mean, it's it, it comes down to going back, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work. And, I mean, again, the, the first half against Alabama, you got, you got quarterback play that can win you the football game. I mean, Stetson was 12 for 25, 177 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. I and mean, that's – you can win with that at quarterback. And so it's the second half of that game where they have to go back and and look and and see if that was a fluke or not. Was that Stetson Bennett, you know, the scouting report catching up to him? Or is, you know, that the potential for a learning moment for him and for improved play out of the offense? I think, you know, again, offensively, I think that what Todd Munkin's done so far as far as Georgia, as far as whether or not they're predictable – uh, I think there's been improvement there. I think overall offensively, there's been, you know, there have been gains made. And again, it's, you do have a strong running game. You have a running game that opposing defenses have to respect. You have it, the ability to utilize that. It, it really is about, you know, finding that that perfect mix. And, and I think Georgia's still looking for that. And I mean, there was a difference offensively, but you have to realize that, I mean, the best receivers in this league usually are juniors and seniors. I mean, it's usually not underclassmen. And I think Georgia's offense has a much brighter future under Todd Monken and with this receiving core than what we've seen so far. It's just about getting these guys more experience. I mean, that's the one thing that if you look at Florida, you look at Kyle Pitts and you look at Alabama and what they had, at the receiver position. I mean, experience helps at that position. I think that's, all all the analytics guys will tell you that returning production at wide receiver, it it, it is crucial to an offense. And I mean, Dominic Blaylock being hurt and in a a young group, it's, you're going to have some bumps along the road. And you had that in Tuscaloosa, but I think that this team as constructed can, you know, definitely win all of its games. And I don't think we know for sure yet if, they can't get it done at quarterback with Stetson Bennett there in a rematch against Alabama. I don't think that answer has been given yet. I think that's really what we got to look forward to in the next two games is, uh, you know, now that you guys have had the bye week, it's, it's, it's get right week for Georgia. And I actually like what Kentucky's defense brings to the table. I mean, they're, they are, you know, they're not allowing a lot of points per game. I think it's been like a nine-point average in the last three games, and I think that it provides you a great test for whether or not Georgia's offense can bounce back and and really. Can Stetson Bennett be the guy that to lead them to to wins crucial wins the next two games? But I mean, there's no margin for error whatsoever now. It's it's every win is a playing game, and I think that's a good thing for Georgia because I mean, there's no. There's no reason for them to lose focus now. You got, you know, you have that out of the way and now every single, all Kirby has to tell these guys is, you know, win and ran and lose or, you know, we're in trouble. And so, I mean, you have a chance to see the best possible Georgia football the rest of the year. It's just, you know, we are all waiting to see, you know, if any changes are made, I don't see it. And I think that, they have what it takes to get back to the SEC championship game. And obviously the question is, uh, will it, they be more efficient at quarterback and more productive at quarterback? And I think, I mean, we're just all waiting to see how that goes for them.
1: Yeah. You know, I have to look at this from a couple different angles and, um, you know, Rusty, obviously both of you guys, 100% correct. And, and I think it starts with the quarterback position and, and I'm as pro player as it gets, but, I still have my doubts as to whether Stetson Bennett can beat Alabama. Um actually, Stetson Bennett probably not going to put Georgia on his shoulders and beat Alabama, period. All right. I, I'm 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 I don't think Jake Fromm could do it. I, I mean I, I don't think there are very many quarterbacks, period, who can do it. But I do believe that Georgia has the football team to put around Stetson Bennett to put around JT Daniels if he ends up being the guy. And right now, as we reported on on Friday, JT Daniels is not ready to take that starting position away from Stetson Bennett. I I believe the staff is still high on him as a prospect. I believe they still believe in him and his ability. They, They went out and got the guy for a reason, and it's because they're high on his ability. I just don't think injury included, mental aspect, physical aspect, all of that stuff, he's ready yet. Okay, so let's just get that out of the way. But I think Georgia has the team around Stetson Bennett to run the table in the SEC SEC this year. I think the defense is a huge tool when you look at the rest of the teams on the schedule because when you look at Kentucky, when you look at uh, uh, Missouri, uh, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Vandy, those are all games Georgia's defense should, if it plays well, should suffocate. All right, that's just all there is to it. And then you got Florida who, you know, might give Georgia's defense a little little trouble. But at the same time, Florida's Florida's defense, I mean, they've been off for 2 weeks. It hadn't been like they've had 2 extra bye weeks either. They've been out of commission for 2 weeks. That's that's an issue. That's the place where Georgia you know, has been really good the past three years and I think has a very good chance to continue. Georgia's going to be favored going into that game, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, that that's the game you really have circled. In. And it's definitely not a slam dunk guarantee anything like that. Florida can absolutely beat Georgia, uh, but Georgia goes in, plays well, plays its A game. I think Georgia can handle Florida. So then you talk about getting to that play-in game. And here's an issue I, I feel like I'd really want to meet head-on here. The best way to win a national title is to have an elite quarterback and an elite offense. It's not the only way I know I've heard. I've read it a million times now, and I just don't think it's the only way I, I don't. Cause if you get up, go up against the defense that's executing well and, and forces you to three points in the red zone or gets you off the field on third down and makes you pit, you know, makes you go 25, 30% on third down. Then you're going to have some issues offensively, if you're an elite offense with a defense like that. You know, Oklahoma played elite offense a few years ago, came, came into Georgia, put together a great half, Georgia adjusted, kind of got it to slow down a little bit with the Heisman Trophy winner, at quarterback, first-rounders everywhere. Uh, you look at last year's SEC championship game, if Georgia's offense has a pulse in that game, then the defense's morale, the, the momentum – probably picks up and Georgia's able to stay in that game. I believe – I mean, I believe if Georgia holds Alabama or any other team down the road to 35, 37 points, I think it's a game that Georgia can win. Georgia's just got to play well. And I know it gets really – I know that's really simple, but if Georgia improves as a football team, develops position by position, and gets incrementally better, as Kirby Smart always talks about doing, and if Georgia does – uh, what it needs to do and plays great football in, the, in, the, in its best – in the biggest moments, then Georgia's going to be fine and it's going to give itself a chance to win. And I know there are a lot of people writing this season off right now because Stetson can't do this and you got to have JT Daniels to do that. And listen, I, I think JT Daniels, a healthy 100% JT Daniels might raise the ceiling of this football team. I think a, I think a 100% clicking JT Daniels might be tough to keep off the field. He's going to be tough to keep off the field for Stetson, Bennett, Dwan Mathis, anybody. But I still think that the team around Stetson Bennett didn't play all that great against Alabama. There's this focus on putting it on one guy. It was last year, same same thing, you know, with Jake Fromm. He's putting it on one guy. You've got to play good football around him. And 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 I, you know, I don't even know that I've ever seen Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or you name it, Mac Jones, or anybody just carry a football team when everybody around them isn't playing very well. All right. And and that's that's kind of the way I look at it, and and that's the way that that's the reason they play the game. I mean, it's we've seen upsets, we've seen crazy things happen. I don't necessarily think it would be a crazy thing to happen if Georgia was able to get Alabama in a rematch. But you know, ultimately, to get to that rematch, I think Georgia just kind of has to keep plugging along. It has to kind of keep its head in it, take it one game at a time. Uh, that's as bit as cliche as it gets. I understand. But but I, I I tend to agree with Rusty that there are there are pieces of this team that are coming together. The offensive line is one of them. Um, you know, I think that's an area where Georgia has gotten so much better from, from game one that um, you know, I, I know folks are gonna talk about the sunshine thing, Rusty Kip. You guys can already read it on the board right now. These guys are pumping sunshine. I don't know, man. Georgia's got a really talented football roster okay, and they've got a really talented defense, they've got a lot of talented pieces on offense, a lot of young talented pieces on offense, and I just don't think it's that crazy, Rusty, to suggest that this team's playing at a much higher level come December, that just about anything can happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think people, uh, and listen, people are very passionate and about this, these two teams and this loss, and you know, It's okay to to have the reaction the fan base did last week and have the questions because it it is legit concerns. I think we, and Jake in particular, you met these things head on about Stetson Bennett. But I don't think people have quite backed off a little bit and thought, hey, Georgia can get better. Now, I took some some hits because I, I said, I don't think Georgia can beat Alabama in a rematch. And I didn't. Now Alabama is missing one of their top three or four players and he's a playmaker and he was a problem for Georgia and he caused Georgia all kinds of issues. Now Alabama is not a one man team by any means, but an Alabama fan will tell you this changes things. That injury to Jalen Waddle makes, makes them a little bit of a different team. So You go back in, evaluate things, and see. But we've said this, and I've said this every week. We continue to learn about Stetson Bennett every week. He passed every test he had up until last week or till that last game. So we will see where he is after the Kentucky game because he's going to play, like Kip said, he's going to play a really, really good defense. Man, they're long. Um, I I talked to an SEC coach this summer, uh, an assistant coach, and Kentucky got brought up, and that coach, this coach was not from Georgia, but this coach brought up the fact that, man, Kentucky will go out and get a 6-2 corner. And if he runs a 4-6-5, that's okay. They're going to make up for it in length. If you look at their, their DBs, man, they're they're long and huge guys. Uh, got some D linemen and stuff. So, defensively, we'll see where Georgia is because I don't think Kentucky can score. I don't think they're going to be able to – I look at this like Auburn. I, I can't see Kentucky – consistently putting drives together. They may bust one. They may run a punt back. They may pick up a fumble and score. uh, But I can't see Kentucky driving down the field against this Georgia defense and putting up points. Now, on the flip side of that, Georgia's offense is going to get tested this weekend because of their defense. So it'll be another good test to see where we are, see what kind of corrections were made, and see if there's any new wrinkles going in to this Florida game.
1: Yep, well said, and uh, it just all hinges on improvement, folks. That's that's all, and uh, you know that's all you really can do, too. I mean, I know as a fan you want to, like, sit there and talk about what could be on offense and what should be on offense and all that, but at the end of the day, Georgia's got a really good football team, and it's one that if it continues to get better and, and if they're able to improve, especially at the quarterback position, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Stetson Bennett is – is is going to you know, make a Heisman run in the last six weeks of the season. But I do think Georgia as a football team can be better. I think Stetson Bennett is a quarterback. And I've, I've, I've heard from Georgia circles that they truly believe Stetson Bennett is capable of, of improving and improving quite a bit. It's not a situation where he's maxed himself out and and they know what, what he is, what he is. I, I truly believe that that they believe that he's capable of more, he's capable of better. He's shown that to them, and it's a matter of whether or not they can get him to translate it to the field. Let's take a break real quick on the other side. I'm going to jump into some recruiting and uh, talk about George's commitment uh, and, uh, and a little more about what might be coming on the recruiting trail. Okay, picture this.
2: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: All right, Kip, gonna go to you first. Kamari Lassiter. Georgia had to have defensive backs in this class. They've now got four when whenever you uh uh David Daniel. Uh they've got uh um uh they've got uh, Javon Bullard and and the uh Nugget Warren, the, the JUCO uh number one JUCO cornerback in the country. They added Kamari Lassiter to it. What what is Georgia getting there?
0: Well, they're, they're get more versatility and length. I think you look at Kamari Laster and he does a little bit of everything for American Christian and Tuscaloosa. I mean, outstanding receiver really uh, helps them in, in all three phases of the game and attacks the football. And so you look at six foot, uh, you know, 185 pounds. I think it, it's a guy that, I mean, Auburn and Clemson were both all in on. They both really needed cornerbacks as well. And I, I mean, that we've talked about that position and what Georgia could potentially lose after this season. I, I think you had to have a guy like this. I mean, he's he can play anywhere in your secondary. I mean, if you need help at safety, he, I mean, he's got great closing speed. Uh, I think he's a pretty good tackler. He, he does play cornerback in safety uh, for his team. And he's got good read and reactability right now. So, I mean, if you need help at nickel, you need help at safety, he can play there because he does, he's just physical. He doesn't shy away from contact. And, you know, I think it it's a big get for Georgia. And I think that, you know, it's just this year, evaluations have just been different. I mean, we really love the, the spring and summer camp and combines because we're able to kind of, you know, get measurements. We're able to kind of test some guys. And I think that, This is a guy that, you know, could stand to have a higher rating maybe than what he has on all the networks overall. But one thing that just shows up is the fact that he's got great instincts. Uh, He's, you know, very smart in the field. And he's very disruptive, I guess, at the catch point. And Kirby Smart puts a premium on ball skills. And I think that – Kamari Lasseter has that in spades, and I think that's something that can get him on the field um, for Georgia, you know, in the next uh, two years, just because uh, that's the kind of quality level of play that he looks for. And, I mean, you look at what Georgia's done at, like, that star, that nickel position, I think that Kamari Lasseter can play there, but he could also – I mean, he could play outside at cornerback too. He just has, you know, just that all-around – playmaking ability and the one thing we don't know is just verified uh you know testing numbers as far as his track and 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 40 or dash things like that nature but on film i mean he, he's just a outstanding football player and has the ability to to do whatever is asked of him and and i just think that's something that kirby smart always places a premium on so Huge gift for Georgia at a position of need, maybe the biggest position need in this class.
2: Of course, it's story time for me. So, I hadn't told anyone of you this yet. Of course, we all knew that, you know, early last week, the kid was going to Georgia. Then, of course, when we interviewed him, we find out that he was a – we find out that he was a silent commit, almost three weeks, committed the week uh, before Auburn to the Georgia staff, didn't tell him one. Didn't tell I I had no idea up until early last week that the kid was going to Georgia. So, Wednesday, I go down to Tuscaloosa. Uh, Go down in the afternoon and going to shoot some pictures with him, Uh, do an interview with him and his mom. And for us, we didn't really have anything on the kid, nothing new. So, head into Tuscaloosa, nothing, uh, just in, in and out couple hour drive down from Northwest Georgia did have on a 24 seven polo on and get to Tuscaloosa and stop at a gas station uh, probably 30 minutes before I'm going to meet uh, Kamara and his mom and, and, and stepdad um, and somebody goes I walk in get a Coke Coke zero no nope, I might cheat on my diet give me a fountain drink give me a fountain Coke zero I turn around somebody goes rusty Mansell. I turn around, uh, pardon if the, I think it is one of our board members don't recognize him. How you doing, man? I said, good. How are you? He goes, what are you doing in Tuscaloosa? And it's like the light bulb went off. He goes, wait a minute. Are you down here filming a commitment video? And I froze because I really didn't know what to say. I said, no, I'm on my way to the JUCOs in Mississippi. Going to see a couple of kids. So I, I, I apologize if you are a member and you're listening <laughs> because you kind of caught me off guard and, and you hit it right on the spot. That was exactly what I was doing was shooting, uh, you know, some stuff for uh, for us with him. So um, that's my little story time with last year. But I will say this. Impressive young man. He is a 4.0 GPA, high academic young man. And I don't know because of the rush of things and how things happen, if you got a chance, if you have not got a chance, go back and read Kip's story with his mom. And you read those quotes what she says about Charlton Warren and you read those quotes, what she says about Kirby smart. I was standing in front of her when I interviewed her and Kip wrote wrote the story. Cause I, I, I called Kip. I said, Kip, I can't write this. You, you'll do it right. Please write this for me. So Kip handled it. But I'm looking at this, this, this lady. And when I asked her, you know, what gave Kirby what gave her peace of mind to go let her son play for Kirby smart? And she was very direct to me that when all this stuff was going on, and I assume it's the, you know, the Cade May stuff, maybe the Otis Reed stuff, whatever, she said, I want to know, Kirby, what's going on and why these people are leaving and, and and what's what's going on. And she said that her and Kirby had a very long, very detailed, very direct conversation, basically. And she said when she got done, she felt like that. She told me, I think the quote was. He's not telling me what I want to hear. He's telling me what I need to hear, and I thought that was very, very telling. She felt she felt like Kirby Smart was going to make her son into a man, and there was very little talk about football with her. And then I, you know, as a talk to them more. You're talking about a young man that has got his head on straight, and he is fully, fully uh, focused on finishing up his senior year. They got a good chance to win the state championship. And then he is clearly focused on uh, playing football at Georgia and high academics, but you can go watch the huddle. And I asked him, I said, what are they recruiting you as most? And he said, you know, corner and star, like Kip said, Uh, the kid's got enough size to play that. Uh, I just think it was a kid, um, you know, an absolute no brainer to me. Like when, when you meet him, and, and those types of things, you need those in your locker room. You need that type of player because he's got high football IQ, he's a high-character young man, and he loves the game. You know, uh, He decided a little bit later, but he wasn't all caught up in all the rah-rah uh, of this recruiting process. He just took his time, did what he could. He wanted to take some visits, and he couldn't. Uh, Clemson came in too late. Clemson was a real threat, Now, I'll be honest with you. Clemson just came in too late. Um, Auburn was a team that he took serious. And that's not, a, I mean, they probably finished, I'm pretty sure they finished second. But Georgia, um, Charlton Warren did a really good job there. And, and Kirby Smart, I thought, it was a very good. If you, had, if you haven't had a chance to go on Dogs 247, uh, you can go through Kip's stories and read. It. It's a really good piece. Uh, and, it, and, look, when I interviewed her, if I could have got her captured her face, you would understand how serious she was. She started talking about uh, this process and Kirby Smart.
1: You know, somebody asked me uh, wh- what you know I thought of Kamari Lasseter. and and uh, I-, I thought about it for a little bit. I got a DM about it, and I-, I waited probably about you know five six hours before I answered. And my response to them was: Imagine if Mark Webb had been playing DB for the previous four years before he came to Georgia, like if he had been really focusing on it and he was playing that position. And I think that's a that uh, to me that's a really good comparison for him because he does play wide receiver as well. He's a big, long kid. He's probably not going to go out there and run a high four-three or, or a low four-four. He may be a four-five guy, for all I know, and that's what I think makes him fit as a uh, as a star slash nickel guy. I think he can play that, play the money position. I think he could probably play safety, and honestly, I think he could probably play some off man and and maybe some bump and run coverage for you in corner, maybe some zone as well. But but you know, I, I obviously not the kind of guy that that I see right now. You know, if you're not, you know, an elite speed guy, it's kind of tough to to just put you on an island out there. You, you're probably going to need a little bit of a little bit of help and and a little bit of chance to help yourself with that off man. But I mean, the way he breaks on the ball in front of him, I coached DBs for two years in high school, and and he he clicks steps, gets downhill quick, he makes plays on the ball. Um, he seems to have a physicality to him that that you really want a DB and just reminds me a lot. And I think he probably bends a little bit better than Mark Webb does too. I think that's one of the reasons Webb didn't stick at corner was because there's a little stiffness there. Uh, but but ultimately, he that's who he reminds me of as a defensive back and maybe a little bit more upside, maybe a little bit more polish also uh, coming in. It's not going to surprise me if we're looking at an NFL roster here in about five years and Mark Webb has has had the light come on as a safety or, or as a, uh, or as a big corner in a system, uh, in, in a cornerback system type, you know, uh, like like a cover three Pete Carroll type deal, or Dan Quinn, um, if he resurfaces as a defensive coordinator or something like that. If if Mark Webb ends up kind of in that role as well, because I think he get, he has a lot of meat left on the bone in terms of his development. Uh, Rusty, you were also uh, in in the Athens area, at uh, at the uh, Prince Avenue wow. Athens Academy game. Uh, yeah. Kirby Smart was there. Uh, but Scott but legally, Scott Cochran was there. Scott uh, Cochran was there legally. They they, they were McGee. all there legally. Uh, what did you see out of Brock Vandegrift?
2: Well, you walk up and you say, "Pretty smart doing here." Then you see Dale McGee. Then you see Scott Cochran. Then you see Buster Faulkner. And then you realize, oh wait a minute, all their kids are either going to school there or they're all ball boys for those schools. So uh, I think Scott Cochran and Buster Faulkner's kids are at Prince and Kirby's and Dale's. Dale's actually plays a freshman. Um, so Kirby Smart's kid is a ball boy. Uh, but, you know, what an atmosphere for a single A private school game, man. Um, crazy for that. I had that one penciled in all year. Nothing to nothing in half. And I'll tell you, Brock, Brock has a, a, a sprained ligament, I think, in his knee. His MRI checked out. So it's not anything torn. He is uh, going to probably play with that the rest of the year, I think. But it's just a precautionary thing. And, uh, you know, he's playing and, and, and can do what he needs to do. But he was a little off in the first half. Uh, he missed a couple throws. You know, give Athens Academy credit. You know, this is the fourth time they played twice his sophomore year. Regular season semifinals they played last year. It's the fourth time they faced him. Uh, in high school so far. So they did a good job with some things, but um, give Prince credit and Brock credit for the second half because they just took things over and Brock made some throws and made some plays where you realize that, hey, this guy is is who we all think he is. Um, You know, it's just, there's a lot on him. I spent a lot of time with his dad on Friday morning there at the school. And they're they're obviously the complete focus is on Prince Avenue. Um, to win the state championship. This is something that him and his dad and, and this group large group of seniors for Single A private school, they want to do together. And that was a big game for them um, Friday night. But he also you know he keeps one eye on what's going on in Georgia, and you know, and Brock is is working out and doing things for Prince, but he's also working out and getting his mind right because he feels like he's got an opportunity to come to Georgia, and he's going he's going to have an honest um, opportunity to be maybe the starting quarterback next year at Georgia. He's coming in January. He's the first kid ever graduate early from prince that is hard to do uh private school so uh, they cleared him two years ago he's been taking classes uh, one thing i'll tell you about brock i've covered brock since the ninth grader brock's gotten taller i mean he is legit 6'3 now he is every bit of 6'3 guarantee um and that's the tallest i've seen him so you know there was a, there was another inch left in him and and he's 6'3 now probably no less six two and a half nfl combine but um, you know, he's carrying good weight, and, man, he made some plays. And when he got hot, there was really nothing they could do. Uh, they had a punt return and a turnover. And then when he – I think mean, he had four touchdown passes, I think, in the second half, and it, it was a wrap. But, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of people, a lot of eyes there. Uh, I turned around and looked, and, there, you know, Brookwood, I guess, was off. I turned around, and half of Brookwood's team was standing over there, and half another team was standing over there. There was a lot of people there for a single-A private. You know what's crazy, Jake? You live in that area up in northwest, northeast Georgia. You think about Oconee County, Cedar Shoals, Clark Central, all those schools, and you sit there and you look at those two teams, Jake, Athens Academy is pushing 81 players, and I think Prince is pushing 67. So you're close to 150 players on two schools 10 minutes apart in private school football. That's a lot of football players uh, on those two teams.
1: Yeah, I mean it's. It, I mean, I I think we had sixty one, uh, and that was including a big old group of freshmen. Uh, my first year at Cedar, we had we had a little bit more, uh, a little bit better numbers the second year. But um, yeah, I mean it's it, they they love it. Uh, that, that, you know those those two programs do. They do a really good job and. Um, they get a high, you know, ratio of male students to football players. They'll get a lot of those guys to come out. You know, you you hear stories about some of these turnarounds that you've heard. I know Ware County had a turnaround back whenever I was in high school. And and one of the things that the coach that that took the job at the time, and I cannot remember his name for the life of me, who, who it was at the time, but he brought them all, he brought every male student into the gym and said he wanted to see all of them come out. And then first practice, he had like 220 kids out there, and every one of them got to dress at some point. they either JV, freshman team, whatever, every one of them got to dress. I mean, sometimes, man, these these programs, you get a little something going. These kids just want a sniff of it. They just want a crumb. They want to do something and be a part of the program. I know Camden County has had upwards of 200 kids dress out before, it's it's crazy. And and it's one of the coolest things I think about high school football is is uh you know you go you you have a small school and you have a ton of kids come out. It's just it's just a really almost weird thing to see because you know, you have much bigger schools that struggle to get 30, right. 40, 50 kids out. And it just you doesn't matter.
2: Adams, Adams Academy probably nine through twelve, probably, maybe four hundred kids, maybe. They're sitting there with eighty football players. That's, that's impressive. Dale McGee's son's a freshman, uh, Austin McGee. He uh, played a little bit of corner and played uh, kick returner. And there was a play, Deion Cole. I will say this now, Deion Colsey is banged up. And um, that's just, you know, again, it's part of it. I mean, Prince played Athens last year without Brock Vandergriff with a broke foot and he came back and playoffs and play, but they had to play him without him. So it happens. But they would play Deion Colsey. When, he, when Deion Colsey came in the game, the ball was going to him. He probably played ten plays on offense, maybe ten. And they put him at corner when, when when, Prince would get in the red zone, they would bring him in knowing that he didn't have the long stride. He could cover and use his length and those types of things. One particular play, he kind of got rolled up on the sidelines. They brought him out, and they brought Austin in. And listen, he is a freshman. He is – you know he is what you think a freshman. He's probably five seven, maybe 160 pounds, soaking wet right now. And Brock Vandergriff keep he rides a mesh on a zone read, and he comes to his side on the goal line. And I'll tell you this: for everything Austin McGee had in him, he stuck his neck in there. Unfortunately, Brock's about 200 pounds, 18 and a half year old man. And he, he kind of bowled him over pretty good. But I'll say this for Austin. He stuck his neck up in there. And I don't know if I would have – I know I wouldn't have as a freshman. I guarantee you I'd have olayed that in a heartbeat. But uh, it was a heck of a play for a young man to to uh, take the blunt of that 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 force from from Brock Vandergriff. But, uh, you know, that's a, there's going to be some younger guys there on, on that team and uh, some really good players. And uh, it, it won't shock me again if they're not playing in – I think I, I was told if they both went out, they would play in the semifinals again like they did two years ago.
1: That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, let's get into some other guys. Kip, uh, what's the latest on Smile? Well, I mean, right now
0: Smile Munden is is closing in on announcing his decision, and he is he has put it out there, you know, finally. I don't want to say finally, but we've, we've been waiting just to kind of see what the next step was in his recruitment. And he's going public with a commitment on November 18th. So, I mean, we got a five-star linebacker, outstanding athlete. I know uh, Rusty said on the last show, just talking about him, you know, suffering that tough injury, I believe, with the MCL being being out for the year. But um, a guy that's outstanding athlete, um, top three player consensus in the state of Georgia. And just a guy with a great frame, 6'3", 220 pounds out of Paulding County High School in Dallas, Georgia, that, I mean, it's been a battle in his recruitment throughout. And Georgia, at one point, I mean, he's been projected to, you know, leave the state multiple times. It's kind of been a a back and forth. Lots of schools involved. I mean, Florida, Tennessee, obviously Auburn was a school that had a lot of momentum for him over the summer, uh, but he just was not in a rush to make a decision. And, you know, just continuing to evaluate his options. And I think that you look at uh, the job that Glenn Schumann and, and Dale McGee have done just with him and, and his family and continuing to stay in communication. I I, uh, I like where Georgia kind of stands right now as we, we head into this, the final weeks before he, you know, he, he goes public and announces his commitment. And it's a guy that we've talked about him a lot on the show, just a guy that has outstanding length. Um, is a great athlete and a guy with a high ceiling um, at inside linebacker. Uh, and so if George is able to land him, I mean, we, we talked about this this recruiting class and where they're at right now with, with 17 commitments as we record this show on our, October 25th. You know, if they're able to, to land some guys like Smile Munden, again, announcing next month, Cornerback Nylon Green at a Newton High School in Covington, Georgia, also expected to announce a decision sometime in the next month. So probably a, a, a November decision for him. And uh, as I said in the last show, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, the defensive lineman from Gaffney, he's been saying he's closing in on making a decision, going, you know, making a commitment for a while. We do not have a date for him, but if he's doing it close, you know, if he's doing it soon, I, I like where Georgia stands and you get those three guys and all of a sudden you're, you're sitting at 20 commitments and you've got the number three class in the country. So I do think that Georgia's in a stretch right now where they have a chance to really get some serious recruiting momentum with some some big-time targets. And, he, I mean, you had a guy like, you know, Xavier and Sori out of IMG Academy, another outstanding linebacker prospect, an outstanding frame, just like, uh, you know, Small Munden. Yeah. had – and, and now you're you're knocking on the door to 300 points. I think that puts them at maybe 295 and change. But you're 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 closing in on another 300 point class in the 24/7 Sports uh, class rankings, which is kind of that benchmark. You know, you have a truly special class when you kind of break you know break that. And I think you know if they're able to do that, uh, they'll have you know maybe one two spots left in the class. And I, I think that. They have an outstanding shot at at breaking that 300 point, you know, mark with some big time targets. They're still in on, and it, it just gives them a, a better opportunity to kind of really hone in on those last few targets that they're able to land these guys the next month. And I think that Munden is an outstanding uh, talent and a guy that I mean, you got to keep stacking that that linebacker group because it's. I mean, that's where your productivity in the front seven, I mean, you want those guys to – that's where your havoc kind of really comes from. And I, and I think he's a guy that really has a chance to to track the football down and, and make plays in opposing backfields. I think it's just his athleticism is, is through the roof.
1: And that would be one heck of a close for Georgia. I mean, that's just all there is to it. It's been a close to the 2020 year. Um, and then and, and who knows who emerges after senior film i mean this is such an unprecedented year in terms of the evaluations they're gonna have to be made on film uh but uh that for this show guys that's all we've got for you uh georgia kentucky noon eastern time on saturday uh halloween normally georgia florida weekend that's pushed back a week and then the cocktail party is next weekend november 7th can't wait for that um, big stretch coming up, and we'll have it all covered for you at Dogs 24-7. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. i They're Kip Adams from Rusty Mansell from the same place, and uh, you all take it easy.